Minus three is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar's rewards. Must be 21 or older. Minus three with Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, sports fans. Welcome to Minus Three. We're ready to roll. Get you right for the upcoming weekend of not just pro football, not just college football, but all of it. Every sport, I believe, is going to be played um, this weekend. Make sure you're heading over to extrapoints.com. Get into the arcade. Play with us, against us in our weekly pick'em pool. Good times there in pro football. Not good times, I guess, for Damashek, who, you know, empathetically is is trying to not embarrass my favorite pro football team in Pittsburgh. We're trying to, you know, stay at the same level here. But the big rise is coming. On both ends of that, there's playoff baseball to get into, a couple of uh, great college football games. Let's talk about all of it, shall we? With our guy, there he is, Eddie Spaghetti's behind the glass and ready to roll from his manse somewhere in showbiz land. It's Kevin Hench. What's the poop, fella? Oh, my gosh, which is an incredible – so much to talk about. It was an incredible week of football, mm. as always. Uh, one of the interesting things that struck me, um, you know, I think I made my name, I made my bones on this podcast uh, with my incredibly profane rants about the NFL officiating. Like, that was mm. sort of my introduction to the fans. I'm like, all right, I'm going to drop a 1,000 F-bombs as I discuss a 1,000 terrible calls. And people were like – this guy's preaching the truth. Two things have happened. Uh, one, obviously, the, the the corporate change is above us. You know, Hench's got to rein in the filthy language a little bit, which people are not happy about. But you know, I'm a I'm a good worker. I'm not looking to not looking to get anyone in trouble. And mostly, I don't want to be. Are you? Well, wait a second. Wait a second. But aren't you, dear friends, with one Peyton Manning, the head of Omaha? I mean, I think the my, two of you could probably come friend. to some agreement. He's, he's my he's my creative partner. I mean, where our friendship is deep, but so I, mostly I just don't want Spaghetti to have to spend two and a half hours at the end of his work day bleeping every third word that I say out loud. And Spaghetti, you have to admit, I I did rein it in on a dime. Hey, she's been awesome, and my job's been very—it's barely for, for changed. Somebody very little bleeps. Who swears around his kids? I've been very good. But so two things: one, hey, uh, Hench, easy on the f bombs, and then two. For the first month of the season, very few spectacularly terrible calls that changed games. You know, it was weird. Like, there was a terrible roughing call week one, Panthers-Browns. Um, but for the most part, the, the the referees weren't ruining football. And then, obviously, with, with the Jarrett sack and the Chris Jones sack, they're like, we got to make up for lost time. It's our job to ruin these games. So here we go. Uh, so that was like reminding me of of how worked up I get when the referees ruin games. Um, and then, uh, you know, we'll get to our goat and our goat in a bit, but also, you know, some terrible decision making, some terrible execution uh, and, and lots to lots to get into. And uh, on top of all the pro football we have to talk about, um, you know, you guys know way more about college football than I do. You follow it so much more closely. But sometimes everybody is making such good points about a game that even someone like me who's like, I bet NFL football heavily, aggressively, but, you know, I just sprinkle a little bit here and there on college because I don't really know what I'm doing. And then everybody makes such 
unassailable, inarguable points about why LSU is going to beat Tennessee that I'm like, I would be a moron not to take this free money. Like, I look at the score in the second quarter. I'm like, oh, everybody was wrong. Come on, Hank. You, you, you just finished your rant about how you've modified the swearing and the cuss words, and that makes you a pro's pro. Now you just disprove that that uh, that title. By, with the, you, you don't talk about the failures that we've made. Okay. You only celebrate our successes, well, please. But, uh, but listen. It wasn't my failure except for the money part because I, I didn't have a strong take. But it was like, you, Sheck. You were not alone. There were a lot of really sharp college football followers on big networks who agreed exactly. And I mean, and there was a body of history to support that pick. And I and I felt really, really great. Well, but. now that you've opened the Pandora's box, I'll wear it. You know, no jive. That's my policy. And uh, like Jerry Orbach says at the end, they're dirty dancing. When I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. And I'll say I'm wrong on a number of counts last weekend but because it's in the rearview mirror. And like Mike Tomlin, my windshield is much larger than my rearview mirror is. That's uh, that's one of his latest uh, that, I, that I like and I'm going to use. Um, but quickly in the rearview mirror, I, I, I liked Florida in that spot go. I mean, uh, I, I, I liked LSU in that spot with Tennessee about to play Bama. You know that there's a chance that they might've looked ahead there. That was the reason there. Utah, I thought would just push around UCLA, no matter how Chip Kelly's guys have looked to this point. I thought really ultimately that's what Utah's about. That's their edge over the SoCal teams over the last five to 10 years. And instead UCLA did exactly that to Utah. And, um, I thought that uh, the, the other one I was sure about was on Sunday. I thought that the Rams would have some pride and say the Cowboys defense is good. So is our defense. And they would hammer Cooper Russian company. So over three on the ones that I was positive were going to come true. But well, again, obviously I was on the other side on that Cowboys game. be, you know, partly because and I know you can't just say, well, you know, the Niners shut them down. So, you know, although the Cowboys defense is excellent, but like. I think the Niners didn't just dominate the Rams. They provided the blueprint for how limited the Rams are in terms of their one option. And if you can if you can make it difficult on that guy, then they have to look elsewhere and they're garbage, um, which it's amazing how bad they are when when Cooper Cup doesn't have the ball. <laughs> But as the recurring theme is this season, you know, you can really tie yourself into knots and get bummed out about how bad my offense is. But, you know, look around the league. There are two or three exceptions to that. Yeah. Not I, everybody can put up Bailey Zappi numbers against these defenses. I mean, oh, we'll get to that game. I want to talk about Brissett v. Zappi in just a second here. But let's stay in the rearview mirror for just a moment more before we look ahead to the coming weekend here with... The aforementioned GOAT and GOAT of the week. Hench, start us off. Okay. Well, first of all, I, you know, I'm looking at the results. I'm looking at the games. And like, of course, I always have this conflict where it's like, do I want to talk about decisions on third and four with two minutes and 19 seconds left on the 13 yard line in a game? Nobody can score a touchdown when you're up nine, six, Nathaniel Hackett. Or do I want to talk about the Daniel Snyder expose? And then I'm like, well, uh, my goat, Daniel Snyder can be the bad goat of the week any week. I don't need, that's an evergreen bad goat of the week. But what I do love, I do love about Daniel Snyder, Herschel Walker, Brett Favre is all, they go, this story is false. 
This Daily Beast story is is defamation. Uh, Snyder's expensive lawyers calling the ESPN story libelous. Oh, well, then we'll look forward to your lawsuit. You must certainly be suing these outlets for these lies they're spreading. And your client would definitely be willing to sit for a deposition to set the record straight. Right, Brett Favre, Herschel Walker and Daniel Snyder. You'll definitely want to set the record straight. Oh, no follow up. On the threats from your super expensive white shoe law firm? No, no, you don't want to sit for a deposition about this. So anyway, I read that story, which is longer than War and Peace uh, on ESPN this morning. And, you know, the Daniel Snyder stuff there. We have talked about on this on this program, you know, and I've asked I've asked. I'm like, what did Jerry Richardson do? What why did Jerry Richardson have to go quietly? Right. And and now we look at all at Daniel Snyder's body of work and you're like, well, I don't understand. Like, tell this guy to get lost. The difference, of course, is Jerry Richardson wasn't Vladimir Putin. I'll blow up the whole world. Like what? Like I'll use nuclear weapons like Daniel Snyder is not going to go quietly, which is what we knew is like. like, So so, of course, there's a temptation to go, hey, there's a malevolent a sociopath in your ranks, you might want to do something about that NFL. But then it's like, I don't know, do people get bummed out when we have remind them of the monsters that, that run the, the National Football well, League? Well, I said on Extra Points uh, already, and I'll say it again now. The one thing you haven't heard out of this, wow, Dan Snyder, what a creep, and no one's going to try and defend him. I'm sure Dan Snyder knows he's a creep. Um, but... Hasn't been any pushback from pro football at any level like, nah, he doesn't have any dirt on us. He's just making noise. (laughs) They know what he knows is like, yeah, I guess if somebody wanted to dig up dirt on us, you can find it. And if if, with with the deep pockets he has, I'm sure if he hired private investigators, there's dirt. It's that, you know, like just a casual like, hey, hey, guys that I pay this huge retainer to. Also dig up dirt on my opponents. Like, look, if you've read if you read the Ronan Farrow book, you know, it's just, just this is, you know, if you if you understand why those documents are at Mar-a-Lago, this is just how malevolent sociopaths do business. Of course, of course. Um, but what occurred to me, which is so crazy, and I feel like commander fans, these poor people are just being held hostage, obviously. Like Robert Sarver realized, oh. I am going to hurt my own portfolio if I remain owner of this very valuable team. My ownership of this team will hurt my portfolio. So I'm going to sell the Suns at a high price before we go through five years of nobody wants to come play here. So he's a businessman, first and foremost. You know, obviously the ego took a hit, but he's like, I'm not going to. I'm not going to ruin my prize asset in my portfolio. Snyder is the opposite, right? It's like, hey, you have this incredibly valuable thing that gets a little less valuable the longer you own it. Do you want to get out from under it? No, I want to ride it all the way down. By the way, it's the middle of October. Your team is already guaranteed a last place finish. Again, your team is terrible. Your stadium is falling apart. Anybody else would be able to get funding for a new stadium. You are the problem. This, the, the, what the commanders have done, like this whole, the whole Beth Wilkinson thing and the NFL's complicity 
is they go, okay, um, obviously when you do chemotherapy, you're going to kill some live cells. You're going to like part of the problem with the scattershot approach of chemotherapy is you're killing good cells while you're, you're killing uh, metastasized bad cells. What, what the NFL and the, and the commanders have managed to do is they go, we need to fix this problem with a medicine that will not affect the tumor. We have to make sure that the tumor is not affected under any under any circumstance. And it's like, what was the term like a common interest agreement to your point about nobody going, he doesn't have any dirt on us? No, no, no. The flip side, we have a common interest agreement. The common interest between Dan Snyder remaining owner of the commanders and the NFL having him remain owner of the commanders, the common interest is him not sharing everything he knows about other owners, maybe Goodell personally. And so it's like you just feel for these good commander sportsmans who just want to return to the Joe Gibbs glory days. And it can never happen as long as this guy is determined to, to ruin, to continue ruining your franchise in perpetuity. That said, not my goat. Not my bad guy. Also, by the way, isn't that also true with Gruden and by with with that with, with the way that whole thing has, at least as far as I'm aware, has not gone very far in the last year. Um, the other thing that occurs to me too is I, it's like talk about being a sociopath. How kooky can you be? Like I get the idea of you know. Uh, I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but the guy from the progressive ads across from Flow, John Hamm, kicked me out of the, our, our league. He took my dignity in front of my peer group. Um, and I it crossed my mind. I'm going to refuse to leave. Legally, I don't have to. You know, I, I have that document that you all signed, and it is a legal document that states that you signed, you all signed it, that you can't kick me out of the league. Um I could have I could have tried to hold you hostage and said, I refuse. I'm not going to get up. But then it dawned on me that would be very uncomfortable for everybody if I just refused to leave. And then what would where would that go? How crazy do you have to be to be not wanted and be like, well, I'm still staying. Uh, (laughs) Do you stay at the party when everybody asks you to leave the party? You were Al Gore in 2000. You know, you 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 took your your shady beating, classic, and, uh, classic. And, cla- and gave a great speech about uniting the country, and haven't mentioned ham since. No, you're right. That's right. <laughs> um, well, it, it's so crazy, and I am going to get to my my bad goat, my actual bad goat. But this Tanya Snyder window dressing. Like, hey, um, you know what? Clarence Thomas is obviously compromised, so he has to recuse himself, and Ginny Thomas will sit in on the court in his absence. We'll just have Ginny Thomas uh, rule in Clarence Thomas's absence. Like, what is this idea that Tanya Snyder, who fell for this? Who said, that's cool, your old lady can run the team? Uh, anyway, so, so that, that is an evergreen bad goat. Just goat for football, goat for humanity, just the worst of the worst. Um, but on the field, which is maybe where our listeners would rather we stay, and I know it's ancient history because of when we take, but we have not had an opportunity to talk about Broncos, Colts, third and four, 13 yard line, two minutes and 19 seconds left. Colts have no timeouts. Nobody can score a touchdown in this game. You've been moving the ball on the ground the whole drive. 
You're ripping off eight and 11 yard runs. It's third and four. If you hand the ball off and you get five yards, the game is over. If you hand the ball off and you get two and a half yards, you kick a field goal to go up six with two minutes left. Game's probably over. But what, what does Nathaniel Hackett again? You know, 50 years he could have said, Nate, call me Nate. Call me Nate. This was Nathaniel. Red flag, everybody. Don't trust the guy. Don't trust the boy. No, no, it's Nathaniel. It's Dan Snyder. It's Daniel Snyder. It's not Nate Hackett. It's Nathaniel Hackett. Like, okay, you're nuts. Um, Please, it's Stephen A. Stephen A. So, so not only do, do they, do they not run the ball? The, the only choice. Um, but does he roll out? Do they drag a receiver under? Does he have a run pass option? No, no, no. Doesn't do any of the things that might make it forgivable. Uh, he takes a shot to the end zone. He hits Stephon Gilmore in the chest and they lose the game. I would argue, and I'd love your guys' thoughts on this point. Less defensible play call than Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl. Less mm. defensible. Um, you know, it, it, we, we, everyone after the Super Bowl was like, how do you not give it to Marshawn? And it's like, as we know, hard to run inside the one yard line if the other team thinks you're going to run. That is hard. Um, it, it matters if the, if the Seahawks don't get into the end zone on that possession. In the Broncos Colts game, it doesn't matter if you score a touchdown or not. If you get a first down, you win. And if you kick a field goal, you're probably at a 97% probability, given that Matt Ryan is the opposing quarterback and nobody can score a touchdown. So, uh, you know, after the settling for a 64-yard field goal attempt, eight yards longer than the record field goal in Seattle, uh, to follow it up with this, you know, and, and everybody goes, you know, they did this with Pete Carroll too, right? Was it, was it Daryl Bevel? Like, you know, the play goes through the, you know, it's like, did you call the play or, you know, who's a lot of these teams are doing like, we want nine guys responsible for this decision so that no one gets yelled at after the game. It's like, who's the offensive coordinator? Who's calling the plays? It's like, all right, you're in the big boy chair. This is a, this is a hundred percent your responsibility. If that play call goes through your headset, you go, no. No, we're, we're going to run an off tackle with Melvin Gordon or Mike Boone if you don't want a fumble to come into the equation. Um, and then you just have to eat the, the terrible play call. And, you know, the execution is on Russell Hustle Bustle because that's just a spectacularly bad decision. So anyway, that sequence, that coach. Well, that but Nat, coach, but Nat Hack says, oh, no, I let Russell call the play. I mean, yeah. that's that's worse than like, I don't know who did it. It's throwing your QB under the bus. It's so he, bad. It's going to be weird when he gets fired. We were talking about that the other day. I mean, you know, how many losses away are the Broncos from brooming this guy? And would that be the fastest firing in pro football history of a head coach? Or at least in the Super Bowl era? Or at least well, in any, uh, any you know, obviously time? Obviously... A, a new broom wants to sweep clean. So when you right. when you inherit a quarterback, I mean a, a coach that you didn't have anything to do with hiring, like your first order of business can be like, all right, you're under a jeweler's loop, and we will be looking for any reason to bring in our guy. So the audition begins now, and obviously he's flunking it spectacularly. So he's my Hackett, Russell, Broncos. You know, I know it was seven days ago. Apologize for the old news, but we haven't. I haven't been able to bitch about it. Uh, my good goat, 
you don't you don't have to say that much, although maybe just to to tee up this the the marquee game of this weekend. Josh Allen completed 20 passes for 424 yards. Who averages 21 yards a completion? Then he also rips off a 21-yard run, uh, averages eight and a half yards a carry. Um, the guy's unbelievable. And I know last week you were talking about the roster this, the roster that. It's like, yeah, everyone's great because they play with Josh Allen. That guy's unbelievable. Um, and that's why I will I will be taking the visitors in Arrowhead this weekend. But but before we skip ahead, let's get to uh, your guys' goats and goats. Um, all right, I'll go. The first uh, the first goat that I'll throw out here is right now on the sports calendar. Let's not tie ourselves into knots with the debate about when the best time is to be a sports fan. It is right now. Congratulations, Matt Rule. You have nothing but time and heaps of money to spend. Order a pizza and wings and submarine sandwiches and Chinese food and whatever else would uh, tickle your fancy there because you are in the sweet spot for sports fans. You're going to have hockey, you're going to have baseball playoffs, college football. You can assess which program you want to take over and fix, which will inevitably happen. Um, And, of course, you have a big Sunday to look forward to, soccer on the way, World Cup, NBA. It's all happening. It's all glorious. Um, My other GOAT is uh, Pat Patriot. Uh, if you saw, I, I know, hence you don't care, but I, you know, as an esteem, I care deeply about the return of that glorious red, red jersey with the white hat and Pat Patriot, who looks weirdly like Bill Belichick, if you look at him, snapping a football. It's it's heaven. Those are my goats of the week. But now for well, my it's goats so of the funny, week. funny, you know, you say that because here, you know, I always try to, to not weigh in on the uniforms, but. Um, I did pick the Lions, uh, you know, right on the money with that pick. And then as soon as as soon as I saw the uniforms, I was like, oh my God, there's no way they're gonna lose. Like it was like visual, you know, they're jogging in warm-ups. I'm like, that'll mortal lock. There's a mortal lock in those uniforms. And then uh they shut out the number one scoring team in the NFL. I mean, that's you know, I, I need an intern who's just an Elias sports information guy because Mm-hmm. I'm watching that game and I'm like, okay, highest scoring team in the NFL through four weeks getting shut out in week five. I'm guessing never ha- I'm guessing that's never happened. Then 0 for 6 on fourth down. That feels like it has to be a record. I know they went back mm. 30 years when they were 0, when they were 0 for 5, they said hadn't happened in 30 years. And I'm like, 0 for 6, how would this game have to be going? How could you how could you have six cracks at it? Uh, to go 0 for 6. So, uh, yes, d- disappointed and ashamed in myself for not uh, following your lead, both on the pick and on the uniforms. Well, I'll tell you who it wouldn't happen against. Six uh, six failed uh, going forward on fourth downs. Wouldn't happen against a Mike Tomlin team. He was down 21 to 3 late in the second quarter, and he opted to kick the field goal. That It, it makes me crazy. What, whatever. I mean, I, this fire Tomlin nonsense that is going on hot and heavy, believe it or not, on the banks of the Three Rivers. Talk about spoiled fans. 
it really legitimately does uh, make me loco to just wave the white flag like that. What is what is the upside of that field goal in that spot, Coach? What what message are you giving to the team? Do you think that this defense suddenly down six guys from week one? Do you think that defense is suddenly going to rise up and, and stop Josh Allen and that offense the rest of the day? Clearly, you're. It's like. Um, you know, uh, you know, people talk about participation trophies. This was classic, sort of like we didn't just get three; we got six. See everybody. I mean, what what it, what is the upside to in that spot? It made me it made me crazy. But my goats of the week now, um, on the heels of my goat of the week being Pat Patriot uniform heaven. My go to the week is the New England Patriots for keeping those things in the closet for 20 years. <laughs> what in the hell were you doing? I had to suffer through watching that hideous brand of ball with Brady and Belichick and all the filthy cheating here and there and everywhere. And and the the snooziest style of football that I can recall. And And, and on top of that, you make me look at flying Elvis. At least I could have on an aesthetic level enjoyed watching the uniforms get it done now you gave me nothing so shame the devil on you bob Kraft, and anybody else who had a hand in that you, horrible well, horrible do you decision. break out the the dom perignon for making the fantasy football playoffs or when you win the cha- like you can't do something every you know like it would it wouldn't be special if they trotted those out every week right now it's an event i am um, no, because the opposite is an attack on my eyes. Like if the other ones were like, bah, all right, yeah, this is a fun diversion. The flying Elvis uniforms stink. You just hate those uniforms because of how often guys like Chris Hogan were wide open in the end zone against your Steelers wearing those <laughs> uniforms. <laughs> well, that's not the only reason. But yes, I am extra resentful because of that. And then the other goat that I I, I feel obliged to mention is uh, is that football that attacked Eric Carr on uh, on Monday Night Football? Did you see that? <laughs> Chris Jones, you know, he's just doing his job. He goes and sacks. You know, he tries to he tries to get what 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 do you do? You know, if you're a high end pass rusher, you have that added skill. It's not just tackling. You 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 try to swipe the ball out of out of the guy's hands. Well, Chris Jones did that. You know, innocent bystander. He gets a flag. He's the collateral damage. But that football attacked Derek Carr. It was still in Chris Jones's arm, but it attacked Derek Carr and he, the football didn't get any grief. Chris Jones gets the flag. He's involved in the controversy, all the rest of it. The call, that call sucked, obviously. It's an all-time filth call. But the other one was that has completely been glossed over is Devontae Adams was in possession of that ball on the third and two pass. His toe does tap down and it's called a catch on the field. There is at minimum not nearly enough evidence to overturn it in that spot. And by the way, I'm vexed. Yes, because I picked the Chargers to win the division. But also objectively as a football fan, what's more fun is if the Chiefs and the Chargers are now three and two and the other two in that division are two and three. Now the Chiefs are four and one. Now we know where that division's headed. That's not nearly as much fun. And the Raiders are essentially finished at this point. No it's fun. so weird how that this that that weird adjudication on a catch, you know, and obviously it's just evolving constantly. You know, they overcorrect. But it's like, you know, they're they're allowed to secure the ball. They're allowed to bring it in. Like, does it separate from his hands? Like, what is a bobble, right? You know, and I mean, obviously I watched it as many times as you did. And I was like, I see what I see what they ruled on, but I yes. could also see going, 
yeah, that's that's uh, that's possession uh, when it hits his left hand by the definition of like not like coming completely loose. Um, and obviously, I on that game, I needed a Raiders victory or a Chiefs cover. What I absolutely could not have was anywhere in between that big number, which made me know, okay, that's that's what's exactly going to happen. Yeah, but back to the Chris Jones thing. We've talked about it on this podcast. I know the game got out of hand, and so and so nobody talks about it. But he had a crazy roughing call against Brady in the Super Bowl, right? That crazy – they'd stop them and when it was still a game and there's just a random flag – for Chris Jones brushing Brady after the play, and then and of course the Bucks go down and score. So the Chris Jones of it kind of brings it full circle, right? It's like Chris Jones and Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, terrible roughing call. Grady Jarrett and Tom Brady, uh, unbelievably bad roughing call. When you look at the way, and I know you've pointed it out about Cam Newton specifically, but there were definitely some hits on Lamar that qualified too. So it's like you can hit Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson this way, Tom Brady has to be nestled to the ground like a Fabergé egg or you're going to get flagged. And, of course, we're like, well, that's going to be the worst call of the weekend. Chris Jones makes such a perfect football play that he's now the ball carrier. He has the ball, right. He has the ball. Derek Carr is going to be credited with a tackle on this play. Derek Carr will be credited with downing the ball carrier, Chris Jones, who has the ball, and and then you know, I, and he gets his and he gets his off arm down. He doesn't put all his weight on Derek Carr like that one. That was a textbook for how to Chris Jones doing his job perfectly and the referee doing his job zero percent. You know, like that's that's as wide a gulf as you can have. Well, I mean, last thing is uh, about it for me is that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a good thing Marshawn Lynch is now in the broadcast booth or doing pregame stuff, because if he were still in the league, he could get flagged for for roughing the would-be tackle. I mean, like what? Tackler. I mean, Chris Chris Jones has the ball. How is it roughing uh, the passer if he is in possession of the football? Like, at any point, then, you can't touch the, the quarterback? If the... If the play is alive on any level, like still can't touch him, even though we intercepted it. I mean, that's crazy. And then the other thing is with the catch to your point that like I am not one of these advocates who's like, just get rid of replay because it's screwing things up and all that. But they they are they have put themselves into a corner with this purity test of like 100 percent. If the ball moves at all, like the evaluation has to be. But is he in possession of it? Like, is was it ever in question that the ball might come out of his that it, that a, the ball might leave his possession? If he's adjusting it because he's flailing his body and his leg is hanging up in the air and he's trying to tap it down, if he adjusts the ball so he can pull it tighter in, he hasn't lost possession of the ball, even though it might move. We're we're, we're fixating on the verb. Uh, of possess I think but yeah it's it's not good because these superhuman plays are being negated by this fraction of ball movement and and you know if you're the Raiders I, I don't justify Devonta I don't say Je- Devonta Adams should be knocking guys on the ground I think that's murky though um but yeah no wonder he's frustrated after that like I just made a spectacular play and a season changing uh, moment and now our season is likely finished because they screwed that up and by the way again 
overturned the call on the field. Anyway, spaghetti, uh, go. I like go, this go. idea. I feel like it could be a good segment uh, if we if we rolled video on this podcast. But roughing the tackler, because there was a great <laughs> roughing the tackler moment in that game. Uh, I think I think Justin Reed was the safety, I, I, but but Josh Jacobs, who's moving better than at any point since he was at Alabama. Like I don't know who this missile is who's playing for a contract, but he breaks into the open field, one man to beat, safety, the chief safety, like, and he's in space, and he's like. I'm not going around you. I'm going to hit you as hard as I can. You're like, you should try to beat this guy because you're going to score if you beat this guy. He's like, heat-seeking missile. He's roughing the tackler. And the tackler's like, whoa, I thought I was going to get to, like, go low and trip you. you this is – he had such an amazing game, 7.3 yards of carry, uh, which, again, great ca- – I agree with the catch by Devontae Adams, but maybe third and one and a half. Guy's averaging seven. Oh, Sal yards. and I – Sal and I agreed on that, too. I think on some level, the football gods weighed in. That's why that was overturned, because it made sense with 48-ish seconds. Hand the ball off to Jacobs. Get the first down. Make one more throw and win the game with a field goal and, yeah. and go home and be two and three and be I mean, right in the mix of the AFC West. Them. He was gashing them. It was crazy. Made no sense. Hey, let me squeeze in a quick break here and tell you about that uh, Caesar, Cleo, the Mannings, Henrik Lundqvist, and now yours truly, yes, Minus 3 is now a proud member of the Caesars Empire. And you know what it is that sets Caesars Sportsbook and Casino apart from all the others? It's the perks. This is the only sports betting app with Caesars rewards. So every time you place a bet, win or lose, you get reward credits, which you can use towards game tickets, bonuses, experiences, free stays at iconic Caesars destinations, and more. And your very first bet, it's on Caesars. Up to $1,250. If you win, congrats. If you don't, you'll get it all back as a free bet. That first bet also gives you 1,000 tier credits and 1,000 reward credits, putting you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. So download the app. Use promo code C-Z-R-F-U-L-L, Caesar Full. And go full Caesar this season. Oh, and Caesar Sportsbook and Casino plays by the rules. They comply with all the legalities of the sports betting world. So here comes the lengthy, unabridged, national, responsible gaming disclaimer. 21 and older, 19 and older in Ontario, must be physically present in in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, uh, Iowa, Kansas, uh, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York. Ontario and Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, or Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem, Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Virginia, West Virginia, PA. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or Maryland. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or in West Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP, Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117, New York, 877-H-O-P-E-N-Y, Ontario. You can visit C-O-N-N-E-X-O-Ontario.ca. And in Tennessee, call or text 
the Tennessee red line, 1-800-889-9789. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, Spaghetti, go ahead. Goat and goat. Well, to keep with the topic, uh, you guys are talking about Chris Jones and the bad calls. Uh, So Chris Jones is part of my good goat this week, along with Grady Jarrett. You know, if I was a person that got called for that, especially the Chris Jones play where he literally did take the football, I would have probably been screaming my head off, cursing uh, in the postgame interviews. Instead, they both said something that was – super I think smart and what the league has to do because let's face it the league is not going to get rid of these rubbing the pastor calls especially on the heels of what happened to Tua uh, and I guess Teddy Bridgewater as well they're going to always protect the quarterbacks and both of those guys said in their post-game comments that like the quarterback does matter it matters not only for the team for the city for the league's revenue all that kind of stuff like quarterbacks do matter and they have to be protected but in a scenario like that, especially when I, I believe this was Chris Jones saying this, he's a 300-plus-pound man running full speed. The option here is to review these because not every rough-in-the-faster call uh, is equal. And they have to be able to review them. And, and Grady Jarrett said every other call in the league is reviewable. So I think that was a great job of both those two guys after the game saying that to review these calls because you have to understand the physics of it and what they were doing in those plays. And by the way, I'll throw it out there. Uh, hence, you're probably watching the game, but – like the, the possibly the worst of the three calls was the Jared Goff rough in the past, so where he didn't even fall down. He was throwing the pass, got hit kind of up high, and they called <laughs> that one. That one's not talked that about because crazy. the pass blew him out. That might have been the worst one of the week, um, although Chris Jones stealing the ball was terrible. Uh, and then to, to give you my bad go to the week, and this is, you know, I hate the Astros. The Mariners have kind of been owned by them all all year. Scott Surveyed pulling out uh, with Seawold pitching to put in Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray – who they don't trust enough to start in the series because of how bad he's been and how bad he is versus the Astros. They put him in cold, a starter, to face your Donny Alvarez, one of the best hitters in baseball. And he then doubled down and said, you know what? We had a system. Our system works. Like, didn't retract, say, yeah, it was a bad call. Leave the bullpen pitcher in. You he, Don't bring in the cold guy. These analytics and these these pitching staffs and like overthinking everything, and you blew a game. Like you were going to steal a game versus uh, the much better team, and you blew it by overthinking, giving up a three run home run. Uh, that was sickening, and I'm not even a Mariners fan. And um, you know, it, it really could cost them the entire series. This five game series, you had the game one like sealed. It was over with. I understand that they were in a bad spot. I understand Bregman's coming up next too if they got Alvarez on, but. 
man, oh man, like you had like sometimes not all about the analytics, and he did a terrible job there. Uh, survey. I totally agree. Totally agree. Nathaniel Hackett level decision making by the skipper. Now this was crazy because of course it, it's tricky with these day games and you know following all the the baseball playoffs, but. The, the huge comeback the Mariners had to beat the Blue Jays, right? Right, that was the, the 10-9 game. Okay, so then I, I'm, I'm kind of paying attention on my phone, and I'm like, what is going on in this game? Like, now I have to turn it on and, and watch, see if the Mariners can hold on to win this game. So then I see the Mariners have, like, their third or fourth starter, uh, who had, like, a 4.26 ERA, is on to close against the Jays. And I'm like, why is this guy closing? This makes no sense. They have a closer, right? Then I look at the box score. Both Seawald and Castillo pitched, like, I think in the fourth inning. So now I know the sort of Edwin Diaz, you got to bring in your guy at the highest leverage point. That might not necessarily be the ninth inning. So then I look at the box score, Scott Service brought in Seawald and Castillo, his two closer types, trailing by four runs. What, what is happening here? You burned through. So you've burned through both your closers. Now you have a middle of the rotation starter who did close it out. But so it was. So now he's like, oh, here we are again. Who do I have to close out this game? Oh, you have a homer prone starter. It's like what he's known for is giving up dingers. You do know this would be a bad time to give up a dinger, right? And then he gets ahead 0-1, and he just grooves the 0-1 pitch. And it's always funny, you know, the announcers never want to um, – it happens all the time, right? They, they lose their minds, and the ball gets caught on the track. So you hear them really hedging, and it's like, hey, buddy, feel free to say that ball's gone. There is no doubt – like – uh, Jordan Alvarez is hugging guys in the dugout. He's so far, his home run trot is so far out of the baseline. Like he, he knew it was gone instantly. So 438 foot laser beam, um, uh, that, that is a, a good bad goat. And, and then, and of course, as, as baseball fans, you, you know, Mariners, Mariners fans, you just go, Oh my God, our, our whole day has been ruined by this skipper being terrible at a Who job. What? I, I agree with you. And then here we go with our picks here in just a second here. But one more thing about that is I was watching some Padres uh, Dodgers on uh, Wednesday night. And um, it, it happens in every postseason in all the in all the big sports. It applies to all of them. You know, you watch early season hockey. It's like, don't don't think that you're going to get away with uh, with with the superhuman stuff come April. You know, Kale McCarr. Oh, well, you're an exception. You will. But mo- but most human beings are not going to be able to do what you do against a bum team in October. Um, everything gets more defensive. But baseball is a, just like almost a wholly different game. Kind of what you're just saying there, Hench, about like, did it start with Wetland and Rivera way back when, when the Yanks were on their rise and their dynasty there? But this thing of like, Further and further devotion of like all your pitchers, like the full the 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 full staff, starters and relievers, like that's what wins the World Series now. Always, it's just that the game is wildly different than it is for 162 games. That you just start mixing and matching. Hey, like 
our, our starting pitcher, our, the best pitcher of all time, Clayton Kershaw. Hey, he gave us five innings today. That's that's all we wanted from him. Like that's the measure now of, of what's a good. You know, I don't, I don't love that it's that the Giants. I feel like are the ones who are most to blame for this, right? The, well, like a decade you know, ago, they're the ones who really like I mean, it, started it, it, mixing and matching. In 2018, uh, when the Red Sox won 108 regular season games and then went 11 and three, had a right fielder named Mookie Betts. I don't know if you've heard of him, but mm-hmm. uh, they they really perfected every starter on his throwing day. Instead of throwing in the bullpen, you were going to pitch an inning of middle relief, and they just they really got they got the maximum amount out of the staff. And obviously, the goal is to win, and it is weird that a first ballot Hall of Famer, three-time Cy Young Award winner, MVP winner, like Clayton Kershaw, you're like, we can't let him face the order a third time. That would be murder if he pitched into the six. Like, what what has happened to our beloved game? But our real beloved game is football. Is pro football. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's Mr. Lister, our sports trivia. Well, no, no, trivia. it is Mr. Lister. Okay, okay. Our Sorry. sports trivia yeah, game yeah. show. We had another Gangbusters Live go-round on Tuesday night. Um, Dan Hopper vanquished it was a it was a it was a splendid um head-to-head against matthew cause it was I, i'm so dumb i can't write hopper won in the end right spaghetti okay. oh he won on the strength of his con Smythe winner since 1990 category it was remarkable on oh both my god sides. that's they, a perfect that's a perfect they named almost i think i think they missed two guys out of 20 five or whatever oh it was God. spaghetti it was um, pretty impressive so, yeah, so you can listen uh, to it we post it after the fact you can listen to it at your leisure we love you to listen live on spotify live at 7 p.m eastern on tuesdays but if not listen to it when it is convenient for you You can track it down like any other podcast oh mr lister I'm getting, I'm getting so excited just for this mr lister promo that i've come up with for this oh. moment because we're going to do a Mr. Lister just to give our listener listers a taste of Mr. Lister uh, pandemonium. Okay. When you're not- ready, Hank, you say the word because I know <laughs> you will be as good as, and we've had some ringers okay. in there, okay. but I think you'll all be able to right, keep right, up with I, it. I, I'm too old. Okay. So here we go. All right. We're going to start with Sheck, and you got to go back and forth. Obviously, you're on the honor system. No Googling, although it would be tricky to Google quickly, I think. But okay. So. You know how it works. You got to name them all. And, and if somebody gets, if somebody comes up short or gives the wrong answer, you lose. Okay, ready. Okay. Now, I'm hoping this is current, but I don't know for sure. Um, six players in NHL history, speaking of Con Smythe winners, six players in NHL history have Lemieux. scored, have scored okay, 200 or more points in the playoffs, starting with Dave Damashek. Name them. I'm going to go with 99, Wayne Gretzky, the greatest Number one, ever play. Correct. Spaghetti. 200 points in the playoffs. This, 200 points. This is a stretch, but does Sidney Crosby have it? Correct. Wow. Correct. Oh, my God. We're still going. This is the tension. This is the tension. He's been in the playoffs 17 times in, a, in, a, in the last 17 years. Of I course, mean, he's on that list. He's not retired yet. He's missed Sheck. time with concussion. Shaq, you have five seconds. I have five. That's not. That's way too short for me. I don't. I don't like well, that. It's I'm a promo. Go. It's not an actual episode. It's a promo. I need time to think. Okay. Mark Messier. Correct. Oh, Correct. Was, okay. Woo! Spaghetti. Three left. That Three left. Mine. Well, I mean, did we give out sixty-six yet? Is Lemieux on that list? 
Is that your guess? Uh, I... Five about, seconds. All right, let's go with go with uh, Stefan Matteau. Let's go with uh, I mean all time. Uh, <laughs> I mean, why not like something on the Canadian? <laughs> the Canadians won every championship. Why not like Gila Fleur? Incorrect, because there weren't as many rounds of the playoffs back then. Okay, uh, good point. You're not going to beat yourself up because Lemieux would have been wrong. Okay. Let me say Gino Malkin. Also wrong. <sighs> there is a a, a penguin. An, a yet is unnamed penguin who played into his late seventies. Yeah, exactly. Really? Yeah, Yager. Oh, and then I thought I actually thought Crosby and Yager were the hard ones because I thought you guys once you got into the Gretzky Messier, you would just run the Curry and coffee. The Curry oh, Curry. Anderson. That those teams just like they just played. They blew everybody out anyway. So those are the six guys according Fun. to the un- unvetted quiz I did, which could be totally wrong. I've Zero fact checking on that, but that was awesome. That's what you get on Mr. Lister. All right. That's that it. Was- That's what we do every week. And now we're going to do our best bets ever of the week. Hench, start us off your favorite play. And you already gave us the Bills lay in two and a half in Arrowhead. I'll say very quickly, I'm with you. Based on, I think we gin up the meaning of this game, the two best quarterbacks. I don't know that it means that much, but I do think that. The the Bills kind of more than than the Chiefs are thinking to themselves, we need to show to ourselves, if no one else, that we can go into this spot. And they also probably are having a conversation that is more viscerally kind of puts a, a bad feeling in their guts than it does the Chiefs the other way around. It's like, hey, let's make the Chiefs come up to, to Buffalo for the playoff game this January. So I think for that reason, I'm going to go with the Bills. And by the way, they've played a little bit more consistently dominant ball than the Chiefs have. I can certainly make a case that the Chiefs should have two strike, two more strikes in the L column right now. Oh, I know. And my Chiefs under 10 and a half, Chiefs to miss the playoffs, all my all my Chiefs bets going up in smoke with the. It was oh. right there. I don't care what any Chiefs supporter says. The, oh. the Chiefs could really be in some peril right now. Just oh, a man. couple of things. Um, Calls. I, I mean, straight I up officiating with, went the other way. I agree with all those those points. You know the, you know the Chiefs basically can lose this game because of the outcome against the Raiders. You know, and the Bills will will be on a mission. Um, and I do think they they have uh, real impact players on that defense. By the way, um, let's stay in that division. I'm curious okay. for your pick on the Patriots because if the Patriots are halfway decent, and keep in mind the Dolphins are struggling because their guy who came out of the gates, gangbusters Tua, has been down. Otherwise, I don't know if they would have lost a game at this point. Um, either way, they look good. Really like these Jets. I want to get your pick of them going into Lambo. I like Zach Wilson. I like the 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 state of that roster as it improves. I don't love what the Packers are doing, but first of all, the Patriots and the Browns. How say you on that one, Edge? Uh, you know, I'm. Oh, these Patriots, man. Are they gonna? Uh, they're just making me look bad with their with their overperformance. But um, I do think the Browns are are the exact remedy for what the Patriots do well on defense. Like the Browns are physical and they're going to pound the ball. And even though the, the Patriots defensive line has been tremendous and the defense is legitimate, um, uh, bar more just a, a, a game wrecker, but what the Browns do so well is pound it. So uh, I, I like under 
and I like the Browns uh, a skosh. You know, I'm not. I, I don't think it's it's a route. I think the the Pats D is going to keep them in every game. Um, and I also agree with you that uh, until Green Bay proves they deserve to be laying some of these numbers, you know, like that that Giants game, you didn't watch that game and think the better team lost. You know, it was like so. So we love what the Jets are doing. Um, you know, and the last piece does seem to be Zach Wilson. And so if, if he's, if he's the real deal, that team's going to be a playoff team real Next soon. year for sure. I mean, if they soon. fix up that offensive line, they get healthy with the pieces they already have and then draft up a little bit more there. They're, I, they're not a team with a ton of flaws in 2023. Um, over under though, on that Pats Browns game, total passes three and a half. Both sides. I mean, but Brissett and uh, and Zappy. I mean, who's I mean, who's incented to ever throw the ball in that game? Well, it's going to be three two with two minutes left. Uh, I mean, it'll be interesting to see um, if if Jacoby Brissett is allowed to throw the ball after that decision he made against the Chargers again. Again, here's the only thing that cannot happen. This is the only thing in this moment that cannot happen: is you throw the ball directly to the other team. Uh, late in the game as you're... Hey, as you're Russ moving. did it too, but as I keep saying, so it's easy for me to celebrate that, but I'm telling you, it, it it makes me a jerk, I guess, to point it out since the odds are on my side. But Cooper Rush is also going to get got eventually. At some point, sooner rather than later, it will be revealed like, oh yeah, that's why he's the backup. That's but, why nobody ever went like out and got this I would like to point out, guy. when you look at Billy Zappi's eye-popping numbers against the Lions, admittedly a, an atrocious defense that was also decimated on game day, um, he has a pick mixed in there that is just one of those classic Nelson Aguilar fumbles the ball to the defense. Like he hits his receiver in the hands and then that jackass goes, here you go, defense. And I still think we need in the same way that Spaghetti's right. We need to be able to review roughing the passer. We need some kind of unearned runs on interceptions that hit yes. the receiver in the chest. Cause that, but, but Brissett did, for did, fantasy, did, sure, definitely, yeah. at least for that as yeah, a statistical fantasy. measure. Um, but to get to Cooper Rush, so so I go Patriots. By the way, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I love it. I'm going Patriots plus two and a half. Um, I love your spaghetti. Your pick team. on that one. I, I took the Browns in our EP pick uh, with the Browns uh, there lane three. I think the line moved slightly to two and a half. Um, one that I do like about the Browns, they're always in every game. Now, they have not obviously won every game, but they're one of three current NFL teams that have taken the lead into the fourth quarter for the first, through the first five games of the year. Um, so I, I do like the Browns just playing smart football. The Patriots, though, coming off an impressive win, but I think that was probably their best win of the season. Uh, I like the Browns in this one. Um, Hench, you're going, you're with me on the Jets then. Yeah, I said it to Marty Weiss, talked me into that in the moment on extra points. I was all set to take the Packers and I realized, what are we doing? You know, I, I do think the Packers eventually, you know, are team 1A or, you know, they're, they're in the conversation come end of December to go to the Super Bowl, but man, they ain't doing it right now. And the Jets, the last couple of weeks have looked good. I mean, that was not a game. The defense failed in Pittsburgh, but you know, by all rights, if you buy the idea of momentum and energy and all of that, that game should have been over. And Zach Wilson ignored it and scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter and won that one. Then then does it. I know it's the third string QB and everything else last week, but he looks good in the weapons 
are just of the pass catchers certainly are better than what Aaron Rodgers is throwing to. So yeah, no, yeah, seven's a lot to give. If you're all of a sudden, it feels like to me, if you're playing yeah, the if Aaron Rodgers had Garrett Wilson and Eli Elijah Moore, he, he'd be a little happier than he is right now. Um, is it official that Coop is starting? That is that, that been decided as of this recording? I, I, what I read this morning, didn't say anything about Dak being ready to roll here. Well, today's today's Dak's first perfect. day of uh, limited practice since the injury. Okay. Ah. It's, it's so perfect. It's so perfect because I, you know, been listening. I mean, last week I was like, you know, I, I, it, the Cowboys-Rams game played out exactly as I predicted, which is Sheck's talking about like, you know, this guy's going to turn into a pumpkin. Like Cooper Rush is not Tom Brady. Like this is going to happen. And I, my feeling was like, he can pass for 76 yards. Like that Rams offense stinks and the Cowboys defense is for real. And sure enough, I think, you know, the, the game management with the three sacks, they, I think they ended up with less than 100 yards as a team passing. Um, and then I looked at the schedule and I was like, I was joking with you guys, with Sal on the threads. I was like, um, we all got to bet against Dak as soon as he comes back. Right. And then I saw they had the Eagles were coming up and I was like, oh, Dak is going to make sure he's not ready. Like you, the Lions are on the horizon. The Lions have no DBs and the worst defense in the league. So it's like, let me guess, Dak's going to be a hundred percent for the Lions, and and Coop's got to got to. What Dak desperately wants is for Coop to get one loss before he goes back under center. And of course, this is the week that happens. I think, uh, you know. Between the Cooper rush of it, how good the Eagles are on both sides of the ball. You want to talk about teams one and one A. I think the Niners and Eagles are on a collision course to play in the NFC Championship game. Um, so I think the Eagles, Cooper's done his job. They can lose this game, and I think they'll lose it by double digits. I, I just and especially <clears throat> seeing Micah grabbing the groin, like he is a game changer. But if you decide early on. This is one we are allowed to lose. Uh, let's get some ice on Micah's groin and let's get out of here. That's uh, a good point. Yeah, I guess you're right about that. I just I, I'm trying to thread the needle and and have them lose, um, but by a field goal. Um, and, and that's kind of how I see it going. Micah is not just a difference maker. He is the difference maker, non-QB in pro football right now. That's kind of what I'm betting on. I do think, though, on the other side, the Cowboys are going to be the rest of the way when Dak gets in there. They're going to put it together with Gallup back now. I think they're going to put it together and be the most formidable NFC team. And I I was on the Eagles to beat them and win the division, which they still might, because if they're two plus up on the Cowboys six games through the season, then they have a great shot of holding on. And getting that one. What was your sp- pick on that one, Spaghetti? I don't know if I got that one, as a matter of fact. No, Cowboys. for uh, da- for Dallas um, and Philadelphia, right now Dallas is uh, getting six and a half points. That's just way too much. That's that's too many points uh, for the Cowboys. I don't even care about Cooper. I don't care if I'm playing quarterback. The reason why Dallas' defense has been too good. Dallas, I mean, Tony, I mean, Pollard has been so explosive. Zeke's been fine, but Pollard has been so explosive. Um, they have multiple ways to beat you. Dalton Schultz getting healthier and healthier as weeks go on, just only going to help um, their offense out. And CeeDee Lamb and the receiving core hasn't been too bad. I don't know why I'm not fully still buying into the Eagles yet. Uh, the Eagles should have lost last week if Kyler Murray had a brain. Um, the Dallas Cowboys will cover this game on the road. Um, Hench, the other one I want to... Sorry, just real quick, because we got it reminded me. Like, um, so 
you know, I saw the Wizard of Oz uh, on Friday night with my eight year old, you know, at uh, Carpenter movie night. It was incredible. Uh, nice. And, you know, the scarecrow is like if always great. Play- always would run into old hench at the at the movie night at the uh, big, big setup tradition. in the grass, the food trucks. Uh, oh, the I miss that. Screen, the Wizard of Oz, the scarecrow, if he only had a brain, if he only had a brain. So speaking of uh, not having a brain, Kyler slides. He slides like he's running free. He can definitely he'd have to take a lick, but he could definitely get the first down. But he's like, I'm going to not take a hit. So I'm going to slide short of the first down. Now I'm going to spike it to make it fourth down and bring in a kicker who has not made a kick in practice. I've never seen a montage like it's Amendola, right? They signed from the, the Chiefs, right? I've never seen a practice montage where they had that many examples of, of slices to the right. Like they just ready to go before the kick. They had a clip package. Oh, let's see how he did in warmups. He pushed everything to the right. Okay, let's see if he can correct. Nope, it goes to the right. And it's like, yes, the crappy practice squad kicker has to wear that loss. But really, the superstar expensive quarterback who slides unnecessarily and spikes it unnecessarily, like you got to run a play there uh, and then sends the kicker out to the, to the Lions. Uh, just a perfect scarecrow moment. For, for a quarterback who apparently has no brain. Okay, carry on. Um, last one I wanted to get to. Well, I mean, very quickly, I like the Colts. I know they stunk against the Broncos. I know they've stunk all season, but I think they need to, you know, make it right. They got to go. They got to split the season series against the Jags. The Jags have stunk the last couple of weeks. I think the Colts get back. I mean, like it. If I'm right about the Colts, too, this is a classic example of like, get just remember it next September, everybody. Hear me now. Remember me 11 months from now. Just because one team starts out with a surprising win or two and another team starts out with a couple of L's that you didn't anticipate doesn't mean that the whole division is or that the whole season is a wrap and you know everything about it. I think the Colts get the three and two. The Jags sink to two and four. And now the world makes some sense again. Now. Six minutes ago, I also just said, uh, take the Jets plus seven at uh, against Aaron Rodgers. So I don't know what to believe. But bottom line is, I don't know anything more than anybody else does. I'm well, just trying to figure out. There's got to we got to have a return to normalcy already. But it's funny because when you watched the, the Jags just dominate and push around the Colts in a physical beatdown, was it 24 yeah. zip, I think, right? It was like, you're like, OK, if you didn't know anything, you're like, this team is is a playoff contender, and this team's going to have the number one draft pick. Like that's what it looked like, right? And so you're then you try to remember, like, oh no, no, the Colts, the Colts have this roster, but the 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 problem is Matt Ryan has fumbled eleven times. Like, so how do you how do you handicap a game uh, where where the Colts have a handicap, which is their quarterback puts the ball on the ground? constantly every time he gets grazed sometimes when he doesn't get grazed by the way week one he fumbled a shotgun snap and a snap under center no one touched him and he just looks so incredibly limited that said I did not watch a snap of the Texans Jags game and I did pick the Texans because I thought the Jags would be coming back to earth a little bit which which um, is your point this week but I looked at Trevor Lawrence line was like whoa what happened he returned to earth in a big way. So uh, of all those competing things, I think I agree with you. 
that if the world is going to make sense, the Colts have to split with the Jags. Well, week. Jonathan Taylor practiced for what it ma- matters quite a bit um, for the Colts fortunes. And he practiced on Thursday. Um, boy, but I, I do. I don't want to bellyache more about last Thursday night's game, but it, it really jumped out to my eye in a world where, you know, Lamar Jackson and uh, and the best QBs going now all share. The one, one thing they have in common is they get rid of the ball in the blink of an eye like Dan Marino could in, in his prime. And Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson, that big windup they take is is the difference. You know, as fast as those defenders are coming off the edge, that is the difference. And I uh, in today's game, like versus 10 years ago, even I'm not talking about 1978. I mean, now, like those guys are getting on you that much quicker and they're just disrupting your throw with getting a tick of of the ball or hitting you as you're releasing it. And that. Ryan is getting got on some of those and, and he's an old man too. And he really looks feeble out there against yeah, I mean, Talk so about a retort about, about both Josh Allen and, and Mahomes, but like, you know, off platform is the, is the catchphrase now, you know, but those off platform throws where it's like, um, that's supposed to affect the throw when you don't have your legs under you at all. And you're going the wrong direction. And then Mahomes and Allen just throw these on the money missiles. You're like, Oh yeah. Their arm strength just masks so much. Matt Ryan tries to make that throw. It, it's floating over the middle and getting you know picked off. Um, talk about a return to normalcy. Um, I anticipate Tom Brady doing what he always does, which is defeating the Pittsburgh Steelers in Hines, Akershire, or Foxborough, or anywhere else those two teams play each other. Tom Brady has the Pittsburgh Steelers number any any chance anybody wants to talk me into the Steelers plus eight, eight and a half, seven and a half? It's kind of bumped around a little bit this week. You know, it's funny. I was really wondering, I mean, everyone was asking, like, will Tomlin really throw this guy to the Wolves in Buffalo? You know, like, wow, like uh, that's a that's a rough uh, loss that kid's going to take, which obviously is is how it went. Um, I didn't know at the time they they had the Bucks defense the following week. So Tomlin might have been like, look, what what have I, I got to wait till there's a patsy on the schedule. I don't want to watch Mitch Trubisky play quarterback anymore. So, kid, you're going to go get blasted in Buffalo. It's going to be a learning experience. And now welcome to this insane. Don't worry, though, Kenny Pickett. Against, because the next two games you go at Miami, at Philly. So everything will get fixed uh, oh, after this. Oh, my God. His <laughs> lifetime one loss record. Hey, I got news for you. You know what? I feel like this now counts as a hot take. I mean, given, I mean, if for real, like 99%, like, hey, people having serious conversations, Sal and sports guy, and they're like, Steelers are the worst team in football. And maybe they are at, at five weeks into the season. Hear me now, believe me, at the end of the season. The Steelers are not going to be a top five draft drafting spot. They're going to get, I don't know if they're going to get the nine, at this point, they're going to I really think they're going to get to eight. I still think where it started, the win loss total for the season at seven and a half. I think they're going to at minimum get to eight. I, I know that, like I say, at this point, as bad as they are, I guess that is kind of a hot take. Hear me now. Believe me later on that one. Also, Michigan lay the seven against the visiting Nittany Lions. That's uh, my college pick of the week. Hey, let me squeeze in a quick break. <laughs> 
Spaghetti, you want to throw one, a college pick in before we say a, a goodbye? Yes, I'd like to I do a two-minute drill of all my best picks. Um, I do like the Vikings uh, lane. I think it's three right now. They're the, probably the least team you can feel confident in betting against, but uh, betting with. But the Dolphins are down to their third-string quarterback, and I trust them to at least win by that margin. Uh, just I agree talking, with that one. Just, just talking about the Bucks and Steelers, um, I think the problem with this game for the Steelers is like kind of like last week, Bills got out ahead early. I could see that happening again with the Bucs. And then you're going to just basically game script it that Kenny Pickett's going to have to throw from behind. The Bucs defense is good. Uh, I think they'll win that one by eight or more. And then for my college picks, I'll run through them really quickly. I like the Vols getting seven points. I understand Bryce Young was out last week for the for the Crimson Tide. But uh, they were playing sloppy across the board, and they let Texas A&M's backup quarterback almost win them the game. Um, Tennessee has a Heisman candidate at quarterback, and they are at home. They'll be fired up for this game. I think home field advantage does matter. Tennessee will at least cover this game. NC State is getting three and a half. They're playing Syracuse. My hot take of the year going forward is Syracuse. I know they're ranked uh, 18th right now. They haven't really played anyone tough. They did squeak out a win at home versus Purdue, probably their best opponent. They have upcoming NC State. Clemson, Notre Dame was playing very good football as of late. Pitt, FSU, Wake Forest, who's ranked 14th, and they round the season with Boston College, but uh, at BC. There's a chance Syracuse might not win a game the rest of the year. They just play Wagner College, so they'll be 59 nothing. where my dad played. Uh, not impressive wins. I think NC State wins this game. Um, Ooh, that's fun. What's the season total on that one? Because if it's more than if it's more than two games from here on out, I love yeah. where you're going there. I mean, they'll win a game maybe or two, but they're not going to do yeah. any better than that. Yeah, I'm just not hiding. I think they're more of a paper tiger. Um, I do. Sal mentioned this on on EP. He likes Utah versus USC. I do too. I like Utah laying three and a half. They are at home. I think they're a tough team. Um, and USC still has not had that impressive victory. The defense is not good. They're not good in the trench play. Um, I, I don't. Really love that that program right now and uh hockey picks i know we'll probably do hockey more next week but just to get it out since this, the puck drop has happened i am going to pick my rangers to win the metro at plus 270 and uh, i do like what sal picked about the pens i'm making the playoffs at plus 300 i just don't see them as a playoff team this year you could clap all you want they have not improved their roster is very old there's too many good teams in the east who have improved and when you have a guy like gino malkin who hasn't played over uh, like 50 games since like 2018, he's going to be 36 years old. Crystal Tang is 36 years old. There's just too many negatives, and I, I don't see them having the the power to stay with these other powerhouse teams in this. Well, they did, but they have improved. That's factually inaccurate. Half their blue line is different than what it was last time we saw them. That was they when they needed the upgrade. They've made it. But I don't think they've they're. I would say like Ottawa's improved way more significantly. I think they'll be better. Islanders will be better. Devils will be better. Columbus is not that bad as everyone thinks. Like there are tougher teams now. Could- I think the Islanders. I'll say this about the Islanders. I think that's the team everybody's asleep on. I think for one year after, I I, I like obviously the system with Trotz's system, but I think for one year there's a blip of like freedom. I think Barzell and company are going to thrive. I think the idea like they didn't do anything. Yeah, they did. They moved on from trots. These are these are professional athletes. They're going to be euphoric to get to play like the rest of the league has been playing the last couple just, of years. Just real quick, because we because we had so much to cover and we've already gone so long. But like Spaghetti mentioned, uh, the Bama game that that A and M play. Like we can only have so many goats, right? How many goats of the week can we have? But like if you think about the things that would have been better plays than the play they ran, like um, how about a seven step drop and a hook shot? into the middle of the end zone. Like, how about a Hail Mary from the one-yard line? You just throw it straight up in the air, and it lands in the middle of the end zone. Like, 
everything would be better if it landed in the end zone. Like, here's the only thing that matters about this play. It has to land in the end zone. Like, the, 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 the throw to the pylon that's short of the goal line, like, he, it, it, in order for the guy to catch it, he has to make a diving catch where he'll land eight yards out of bounds at the two and a half yard line. Like that was just, you know, for those of us who were wanting them to shock the world, that was such a gut punch of a play. I is thought it was a huge bummer. Yeah, that was that. And what would pro game him? The, the, is, is that the one that's been working in practice? Also, that's the, the, one, that, that's the, the one on the play sheet. The DB said that he read Jimbo Fisher's lips. Like, he read his mouth of what play they were calling. He knew where the ball was going before that play was even called. And the fact that there was only three receivers and, like, the one ran the terrible route that the ball went to, one ran a quick little button, like, barely crossing the goal line. One of the worst play designs that you could have won that game was miserable. Is that the same? Am I thinking of Joe Burrow and the Bungles who ran the same exact route in the exact same spot, basically? On Sunday night, I can't think of the pro situation where I thought, I like, eerie how similar you were on the exact same uh, to the post at the goal line. Uh, the crazy thing, the bungles, you know, I, I've I've been saying, you know, texting you guys, uh, like, this, this Philly Philly ever not result in the quarterback being wide open? It's like, yep, it did. The Bengals, you know, they, they managed to disguise their disguise well enough that everybody knew exactly what was happening, you know. So that's a well-coached defense. Then – the Bengals run the shovel pass that the Chiefs run. And when the Chiefs run it, it all the eye candy, all the misdirection, Kelsey comes, slides underneath, and he walks into the end zone. I don't know how the, the Chiefs make every defender go where they want them to go. And the, the, the C's part and whoever takes the shovel pass walks into the end zone. Please, Matt Canada, watch what the enemy and and Andy Reid are designing. It can't just be that they have better players. It's got to be on some level the play design. The Bengals run the play, and it's like, is it July 15th? Have you guys practiced? What what day is it? Like this, nobody went where they were supposed to go. Burrow throws the shovel overhand. He just throws an overhand pass into the middle of the pile. No one's open. Um, I, I don't love those plays where if for whatever reason they get blown up, there is no other option. You know, there's no, there's, there, there's right, now right, you right. can't go through your progressions because that's it. You just have to whip it into the middle of the pile. But yeah, the Bengals. I do look- like, I do like that Burrow look of like, oh, well, he was supposed to be, now what am I, to, what do you want me to do now, coach? Um it's funny you mentioned Josh Jacobs' contract year. We fans would like to believe that players don't care about such things. Clearly, some of them do. I don't know if that hurt your feelings with Posternock, but got off to a good start. He did look dynamite in his first game. Now it's my boy's turn this uh, Thursday night, taking the ice for the first time. One more. Come on. 17 years. How about that? History. How about that in North American sports history that they now match the Yankees big four for the longest trio of guys to be together on one team. That's great. You're not going to win every year, but that's a cool thing to sell. Shake your head. It's true. What did I say that wasn't true? They're they're not going to win another one. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm just shaking my head at a disagreement. They're not going to win. They are. They don't win playoff I celebrate series. That they are. Time. I just, uh, I don't know. Uh, you think you're setting yourself up for failure. 
Now, Sheck, are you going to I've, I've already won. They're together for another year. What do you mean? That's my point. They don't have to win. They you'd rather, win. You'd, you'd, they've already won. You'd rather these 36, 37-year-old men be together for one more year than have a competitive team and an ultra-competitive East. That makes zero sense. Well, that assumes that they're not going to be competitive, and I, I think they will be. Well, they, if you read the athletic, sure. Well, but besides the athletic, I think people think they're not going to be. Sheck, will you have a tear in your Ray eye? Ray Ferraro doesn't work at the athletic. He likes the pens this year. Sheck, will you have a tear in your eye when when 87 raises the cup for the avalanche the way I did when 77 <laughs> raised the cup for the avalanche? I'm going to see if we can have a parade for him in Los Angeles. I don't know. It makes as much sense as Boston people having a parade for Raymond Bork after he won the cup with the Avs. Anyhow, good times as ever, Hench. Uh, muzzle tough D on all the great stuff you got going on. And uh, you and Peyton got going on you and 18 a magic uh, a man. dream team if there ever was one we'll talk to you in a week good luck to your pates and uh, to your pats and all the rest of it and uh, we'll get out of here as well um we'll be back on the other side of the sports weekend to break it all down for you try and make sense of it and see what's going to happen in the coming sports week until then thanks so much sports fans it's been a thin slice of heaven <laughs>